Philippians chapter 3 is where we are going to land this morning, verses 1 through 11. By way of introduction, this is our last Sunday of Epiphany. Therefore, the next Sunday we'll usher in the first Sunday of Lent, and followed by four more Sundays, and then we'll be in Holy Week. Really, all to say Easter is rapidly approaching and closing in on us. I don't know if any of you here have stock or shares in the stock market. I, for one, do not, but I want to begin this morning by shifting your mind to profit versus loss. Profit versus loss. I want you to imagine that the whole world is like one massive trading floor, and your life as one opportunity for investing. You walk onto the floor of this world and you see all the noise, you see the colors, the endless options of the ways in which you may invest by one life you have been given. Every day you are given a new opportunity to invest in this life. The question becomes, how should one go about doing this? Is there a rhyme, is there a reason on how to do this? What should you add to your life portfolio? And to add to the difficulty amongst the endless choices, you know that there are going to be some things that you invest in that are going to go up, and there are going to be some things that you invest in that are going to go down. And sometimes you're not going to know which is which. You are bombarded with the endless options every day to live the American what? Dream. People today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that dream. And God, through our patron saint of Paul this morning, is going to plead for you, with you, for you, in the next few minutes, don't buy it. Don't waste your life. It is so short, it is so precious, be gripped with questions that ask, how do I do life? What really matters? When I get to the end of my life, will I be holding on to that which has lasting value? I love to talk to young people about this, right? Because they're in the early years of their life. And so those are questions that just land on them that are, it's like a ton of bricks. What has lasting value? What does a successful life look like? How should I invest my life? Here's the good news this morning. All of us here have a common trait that we want to invest our lives wisely. I'm just going to go out on a limb to say that there's no one here this morning that's walked through these doors of door hall that says, I'm just here to trash my life. <laughs> I just want to trash life. Right? That's not you and that's not me. God has put within us the significance of gain. The significance of gain. But we need to properly direct it. And over and over, Jesus in the Gospels appeals to this human desire for gain. Paul here is doing the same. So he begins, right, in verse 2, by saying, Beware, 
Be on the constant lookout for the dogs, the evildoers, those who mutilize, mutilize the flesh. Who, who's really Paul talking about here? What in the world is going on? Well, he's talk, talking specifically about the Judaizers of the day. He is labeling those who extol good works of the law as evildoers. Those who were admonishing Gentiles like you and me that they had to be circumcised in order to be saved. In the book of Galatians, Paul calls this another gospel. In fact, he goes even so far to says that if anyone preaches this kind of gospel, they are to be accursed. They are dogs, which this is a, a kind way to say, in that day and age, you're the scum of the earth. <laughs> and so he comes down hard on these Judaizers in verse 2. Verse 3, by contrast to those promoting physical circumcision, Paul says what? True people of God are those who worship by the Spirit of God, for they glory in Christ. And what? Put no confidence in the flesh. It's like a bathroom mirror phrase that you need to see every morning. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to put no confidence in the flesh this morning in my life. And so Paul says and takes this and expands it by essentially saying to us and the church there in Philippi, let me tell you what's been in my life portfolio. Let me tell you about the stock that I held and that I'm now holding. So he breaks this open to us in two ways, almost as a personal testimony. So number one, here is the livestock that I once was holding on to, Paul says, in verses five and six. He begins in verse four by basically saying, if anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, it is, it's me. If anyone thinks they have reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And you would be like, well, why are you so special, Paul? What makes you so confident in the flesh? And so he says, right, he gives us all these reasons. Reason number one, first he says, I have more because of my position. Verse five, I was circumcised on the eighth day to the people of Israel, to the tribe of Benjamin, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had everything going for him. Paul is essentially saying, I have superb advantages because of when and where I was born. And you know, the same is true for us today, isn't it? When we think about our life, where we were born, because of the timing, because of the whereabouts of our birth, God has put us in a position of incredible opportunity. Secondly, he says, I have more because of my achievements. Not only did I have position, but I also have achievements. Back to verse 5, as to the law, a what? A Pharisee. You and I are aware that Jesus did not speak kindly of the Pharisees, but to the world and the culture of Paul's day, Pharisee was a title for one of the most respected groups of the day. They were the intellectuals of the day. They were typically esteemed with awe and amazement 
that we in the modern day would have for sports figures. Paul says, not only have I been born of of an incredible opportunity, but I took that opportunity and I achieved the status of Pharisee. I have position. I have achievements. Thirdly, he says, I have more because of power, verse 6. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul says, I wielded power, and a lot of it. He was trusted with one of the most politically sensitive jobs of the day, curbing the Christian church. I persecuted the church and was given the clout to do it, Paul says. I wielded power. I was sincere. I was strong. I was committed. I had it all. Position, achievement, power. And then last but not least, look at what he says, the end of verse 6, as to righteousness under the law, what? Blameless. (laughs) Blameless. Not only did I have position, achievement, and power, but I was profoundly, what? Moral. There's no way anybody's taken anything away from me. I was profoundly moral. I lived by the book, to the T, to the Oda. He lived by the flesh, morally speaking. I did the best. Paul says this, I did the best that this flesh could do. That was my life. This was my life. And it was chocked full of it. This was my life stock. My portfolio was stuffed full of this stuff. But something happened that changed all of it. So secondly, we see, he says, here's my life stock that I'm currently holding on to. Like the disciples before him that we read about, that we did read about this morning, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Paul was confronted by the glory of Christ on the road to Damascus. He was in the presence of overwhelming power and overwhelming glory, and a voice that he heard was one not of judgment, but one of grace, one of grace. He's really confronted with what righteousness really is, and he concludes, I don't have it. And what he ultimately realizes is his whole view of life needs to completely change. He understood that the things of real and lasting value in view of the risen Christ were not in his portfolio. He realized on the last day he would stand before this king and the position that he had, the achievements that he attained, and the power that he, that he had would, would be of no value. He came to the conclusion that he was holding on to the wrong life stock. And so here he is, 30 years later, putting pen to paper, saying that he had lost it all. (laughs) I've lost all of it. His position means nothing now. His achievement of Pharisee had now been lost for the cause of Christ. His power is gone. In fact, now his power 
is in Christ, being made perfect in his weakness. He says it's all gone, all of it, and quite frankly, I don't care. Right? Isn't that essentially what he says? Verse 7, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, I count it loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have counted all rubbish, dung, manure, whatever rated G language you could possibly use. Crap. It's junk. It's nothing compared to Christ. I have pushed all in for Christ. The last 30 years have been about Christ for the sake of Christ because I want to know Christ. And so your question and my question this morning is, why has it been about Christ, Paul? I mean, really, for the last 30 years, it's been nothing about Christ, but and wouldn't, wouldn't you say that, you, I mean, what have you gained? Well, he gives two answers in application this morning, two things that I want you to hear that we need to hear this morning. Number one, it's this, because I need, Paul essentially says, verse 8, I believe, because I need his righteousness, the righteousness of God that depends on faith and not the law. Paul essentially says, I want to be found in him, not having a flimsy righteousness that will never stand in the brightness of his glory. I want to be found having a pure righteousness that is not something that I've had to try to work up to present, but something that God has given me in Christ Jesus. You need to know this morning that your good works will never save you period. Only the righteousness of Christ through faith will preserve your body, your soul, and your spirit to eternal life. That's it. Secondly, lastly, he says, by, because by any means possible that I may attain the what? the resurrection. I I think it's fitting, isn't it, that we are here at the precipice of beginning the journey of Lent on Wednesday, that we are focused in on the resurrection. Just another fitting reminder of the power of the resurrection. Paul is saying either by dying or whether Christ returns for me, I will attain the resurrection. And so here's the question for you this morning. How about you? How about you? Are you clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Are you trying to work your way into heaven by your good works? 
Jesus is asking of you this morning this. Am I worth following? Following. 